EcoHealth, your internet radio. Good afternoon and welcome here on Radio EcoHealth. It is the road trip show on a che- uh, Wednesday, Tuesday. Where did I come with that now? <laughs> <laughs> this week is weird. <laughs> now I can confirm it's a Wednesday because I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so last week we did the N1 up to... Uh, I, think we, I think we got into Edinburgh, I think it was. Yes, Edinburgh. And where, they, where they've got the Van Riebeek, the little Van Riebeek festival uh, memorial, one of the most unusual ones. Yeah. But driving, driving that, that N1, and especially around that Bloemfontein area, now whether it's 200 kilometers north or south of Bloemfontein, that area always gets me straight into our old national anthem, where you've got that line about the Fatafalata Fluctus. Oh, yeah. And I'm always, I don't know, I can't help it whenever I'm on those stretches of road, the Fatafalata Fluctus. And for our foreign listeners, it would be the Fatafalata Fluctus would translate into the, the distant, desolate plains or the desolate, desolate uninhabited plains of Africa. Yeah. And that area, there's, there's a couple of hundred kilometers around Bloemfontein, is exactly that. It's flat, and at, at right now it's just covered in maize, maize farms, but it's yeah. that an incredible amount of our history comes in and around um, that Bloemfontein area. Bloemfontein obviously being one of the old capitals, capital of the Free State Province. It was one of the old Boer Republic capitals for a time as well. But there's one fantastic little story that plays itself out just south of of Bloemfontein. And there's an area or an old farm there called Onzerist. Our rest, or yeah, our rest, our rest place. Okay. And that was the home and the farmstead of President M.T. Stein, Martina Stein. And Stein was the last president of the Free State, and also, strange enough, the only president of the Free State actually born in the Free State. Okay. And that born farm is still <laughs> and that farm's actually still in the hands of the family, and the great grandson right now is the present occupier. Yeah. And it's a private property, so access is limited. You've got to re- prearrange stuff to get in there. And it's still located on the same property. One or two of the old rooms are still as it was in the days of President Stein. But one of the stories that plays out there is, for us older guys, if you remember some of our old currency, the old one-cent coin oh, yeah. had the picture or the, or the little relief of the two little sparrows on it. Oh, yes, yeah. Okay, now, it's, it's, it's kind of a funny one. Why would you put two common sparrows on one of your coins? Okay. So and it's comes a story... <laughs> <laughs> And it's a story that plays back to the days of President Stein. And it goes back to one of the concentration camps. And there was a huge concentration camp at a little town called Bethuli. Now, Bethuli is relatively close to Springfontein. Springfontein is in our rearview mirror. Oh, yes, As we yeah. came up through Springfontein, that's where that little baby cemetery is. And yeah, there's another... Boer War Cemetery or a concentration camp cemetery there, but Bethuli is just on the banks, on the northern banks of the old Hfuvut Dam, now the the Gharib Dam. Oh yes, yeah. And the story goes that a lady by the name of Annette Marais was praying for a sign while she's incarcerated in this camp. She's praying for a sign to give strength to the to the women and children who are in in that camp. Yeah. And 
she then opens her her Bible at a at a Bible verse at Matthew ten, verses twenty nine to thirty. And the words there are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. While wow. she's reading this, a little sparrow came in and she landed on her shoulder. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they then adopted this, thinking that this was a sign yeah. from the Bible or from God. And... <clears throat> After this, after the war, she actually told the story to General Jan Smuts. Yeah. And the story eventually filters its way through to, to President Stein. And President Stein's wife, uh, Tibby, actually took on the lead with this initiative, trying to bring a little bit of hope and inspiration. Okay. And she was the driving force then to be... Sort of on how to commemorate this. So the concentration camps were actually commemorated on one of our coins. In fact, two of our coins, okay. the old, I think the old English penny, when we still had the old English oh, yeah. coinage system, yes. also had the two sparrows on it. Then our one cent coin um, had that on, on, on the <laughs> coin. And that one cent coin was only discontinued in 2007. Oh, yeah. So right up until then, I mean, even now, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have got the little one-cent coins lying in somewhere, collection bottles yeah. or in the kitchen drawer somewhere. Pick it up and have a look at it. And that little, those two little sparrows are a commemoration of those concentration camps on those farfalata fluctus in the Free State. That's so awesome. And there's a little commemorative <laughs> plaque under one of the trees there on President Stein's old farm, oh, commemorating yeah. the one. It's called the one-cent memorial plaque. Okay. And it's there at, at the house of old President Stein. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a <laughs> and there's awesome another, another couple of little things there. There's, um, there's some old eucalyptus trees that he planted. And apparently he used to try and ride with his commando during the war. He'd try and ride so that he could see his eucalyptus trees in the distance because then he knew he was pretty close to his house. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, and there's another interesting one. And... <clears throat> During the Boer War, and a, a quite a, a large forgotten part of the Boer War is what we used to call um, the Achterreiers. The Achterreiers. Achterreiers. Now, Achterreier, the best word you can find for the word Achterreier would be Batman. And a Batman, in a military sense, is a, a person who looks after an officer. He's the guy that okay. lays out your uniform, does all the menial tasks because the officer doesn't have enough time to sit there worrying about polishing boots and washing his clothes and that kind of stuff. Yeah. He's got better things to do. So a high-ranking officer would have what we would do, Batman, but a lot of the Boers would take, had, their, had their servants to go with them on yeah. commando, and they were called Achterreiers. Okay. And President Stein had, one, had a, a very loyal guy by the name of Reiter. Reiter. No other word, no surname, no. We just Nothing. he was just known as Reiter. Okay. <laughs> and again, he um, he was a guy of Greek Greek descent. So this guy okay. was was way way off off territory. Yeah. If you listen to the other podcasts, I mean, Greekland, Greekland East is way down in KZN. Yeah. You know, down there, Kokstad area, we talked about Adam Kok and his Greekers. Yes. And yeah. the the Greekland West or Greekland is up around Kimberley. Yeah. So I mean, this 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 guy's way off course. So obviously, extremely loyal to President Stein. Yeah. Apparently, he saved President Stein's life on more than one occasion while on commando as well. 
Okay. And uh, he was on the, in the field with the president when Bloemfontein eventually fell in March 1900. And after the war, he continued to live at Onzerift and serve the Stein family. But he's buried there in the, in the family graveyard. Okay. And uh, he died yeah. only in 1944. Awesome. So that's, that's just one of those. And the Achterreiers, the, the those servants, are definitely a forgotten part of the Boer War. Because they're not really yeah. documented. You know, the Boers are on commando, the English are on commando or, or in the fight. But these yes. shadowy figures in the background bringing in the ammo and looking after the horses and feeding the horses and stuff yeah. tend to be yeah. a bit of a forgotten, forgotten part of the whole thing. And I don't know, South Africans also seem to have this thing with turning trees into national monuments. Okay. Because <laughs> we've got another one, which is a wild olive tree, also on this farm called Onserist. And Stain, Stain bought the farm 1897, and he stayed there right until his death in 1916. And he was the last president of the Orange Free State. He was the guy who'd signed the pact with Kruger that yeah. should one of the republics be attacked they would join forces to to fight and so that so it's Stain got drawn into this Anglo-Boer war yeah because of British of the Britain's problem with the Transvaal not so much with the Free State yeah but um, he had a lot of visitors visitors to his farm and he didn't want to have the meetings always in his house so he had this wild olive tree away from the house Oh yeah, and the the standing joke was that uh, the president took it there because he was always conspiring with some <laughs> kind of plot or some kind of nefarious deal. So the the nickname of the tree in Afrikaans was the boom the boom van Samerswering. <laughs> so the tree of conspiracy, and uh, <laughs> okay, and that that tree is still there. So I mean, we got we got national monument with the pear trees in in Beaufort West. You got the oak trees in in yeah. Stellenbosch, and he has another one. This tree is actually a national monument. Yeah, but another little interesting part of it is that the Anglo-Boer War produced through Lord Baden Powell and the siege of Mafeking. And that eventually, that eventually was the inspiration for the Boy Scout youth, youth movement worldwide. Boy Scout movement has actually started in Mafeking, and Baden Powell got the idea uh, for it during the siege of Mafeking because he used okay. boys as messenger runners and things during the siege. And clearly, somewhere along the line, the Afrikaners thought, "Wow, you know, this is actually quite a cool, quite a cool plan." But Concept, we can't, yeah. we can't be a, a, a Boy Scout because that's an English English thing. Yeah, yeah. So what do they do? They form the Voortrekkers. The Voortrekkers, yes. And I remember it's it's it's, it's <laughs> to my to my knowledge, I know very little about the Voortrekkers, but to my knowledge, it's very much a, a, a mirror organization to the Boy Scouts. Yeah, it is kind of yeah. It's it's it's, it's boys and and um, teaching them reliability and sustainability and, and how to survive how to wild, survive yeah. in the wild and just you know, good boy stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I know I'm going to get clapped for that one because that's you know allowed to say things like that anymore. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the the foot trackers as a youth organisation were actually sworn in under that tree already in 1932, in July 1932. Yeah, and it was the executive committee was run by a guy by the name of Doctor Doctor Funder Marva, and. A lot of very famous people, uh, the Afrikaans theologian and minister, a guy that Daniel Kestel. That's a name that's going to start popping up as well. Okay. He, he was he was part of that whole thing, and 
the plaque was there and it was sort of during during um it was an interesting one because the new leader in 2017 guy the name of dr Donnie langda took over and they did it at this tree for oh, the first yeah. time again like in god knows how long since 1932 they actually had one of these ceremonies under the original tree on mt stain's farm yeah in 2017 awesome so uh that, that's kind of cool, and you, you and you've got to you got to love those kind of those kind of organisations. I mean, I know my son and my daughter, one daughter went through the through the scout movement, and it only did oh, them yeah. good. Okay, that only did them good. It's it's yeah. I don't know. When, whenever I used to go and go and fetch him, it 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 it, it, it always appeared to me be to be some kind of vaguely controlled hooliganism in 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 one spot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But an awesome spot. <clears throat> We're going to skip Bloemfontein, because Bloemfontein, if you go onto the Road Trip app and you open up Bloemfontein and you scroll in and you scroll in and you scroll in, there's just spot after spot after, after spot, spot after spot yeah. that just pops out and pops out and pops out and pops out and pops out. I think out. we'll make that one on its own. We can do Bloemfontein as, a, as, an, own, as an own podcast. Yeah. But as you get out of Bloemfontein, now you head, we're heading up north. Now, the N1... Bends kind of a little bit to 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 the northeast, but just outside of Bloom, you can actually do say two sides of a triangle, and I've done that road quite often because that that part of the N1 has been un- had a lot of roadworks for a while, and it's exceptionally yeah. irritating because the N1 obviously being that big arterial road and masses yeah. of trucks and slow moving heavy vehicles, yeah, and the road through Brantford would actually be a much faster road. Yes, and if you do those two sides of a triangle, you actually get to the little town of Brantford. Brantford. Now Brantford has just gone under a renaming exercise. Oh, Lord. and it's now no. called Winnie Mandela. Ah, oh, yeah, man. And really, uh, and uh, uh, I don't know. Karma works in weird ways. Yes. In that, just today, just today, I was uh, again. I was prepping for the meeting, and my the I think it's my Facebook feed is going. And truth God, there's now protests about service delivery happening in Winnie Mandela or uh, Brantford because the the locals haven't had they haven't had a water supply for 14 years or something. The electricity supply has been gone for the last 10 years in the townships. Well, but somehow somehow there's money to rename the town. All the road signs yeah. are being changed. Da 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 da. The whole yeah, there's lot. money to do. But that, there's money yeah. to do that, but they can't put a water line in, and the guys haven't got toilets. So there's much unhappiness in ex Brantford now Winnie oh, Mandela. I somehow get very peed off no I, I, it can make me super angry as well yes it can make no. me super angry they waste millions on renaming everything yeah but uh, again in, in Brantford I keep talk, calling it Brantford there's there's a concentration camp memorial now what you got to remember is that the concentration camps seem to be centered obviously in the free state and in the old Transvaal Republic because that's where it was happening and that's where the scorched earth policy brought in by by Kitchener was actually enacted. Yeah. So there's a concentration memorial called concentration camp memorial there in Brantford. But what I found quite interesting there as well is that also there's also a women's monument. Oh in Brantford. In Brantford. Okay. So they've separated the two and again it always makes me think of and there's and there's some of these these most beautiful women's 
monuments in in South Africa. Yeah. And I immediately think of the beautiful, I think it was the Anton von Vaux statue <laughs> at the Futrecker Monument. Yeah. Where as you walk up the stairs, you've got the Futrecker mother protecting her children. Yes. You've got this one here now in Brantford. You've got the Women's Memorial in Bloemfontein itself. Yeah. At at the at the Anglo Boer War Museum. And this particular one is also um it's just a very poignant statue trying to show the strength of these women in these concentration camps. And just to sort of put it into perspective and I, we sort of harp on this quite a lot, but it, it, it again it shows the the impact that this had on the psyche yeah. of of the Africana, these concentration camps. And the estimation is that about 32,000 people died in these concentration camps. 32,000. 32,000. Wow. Now, the, the numbers vary because, again, I don't... And where that discrepancy comes in, because there were also concentration camps for black people. Oh, it yeah. It wasn't just the white... The, yeah. the, 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 the Boer farmers, women and children, who were put in the concentration camps. Their workers were also put into concentration camps. Yeah, and again, that's a huge controversy. And I, I actually attended a little online seminar the other night, run by a crowd out of the UK, discussing oh yeah um, the concentration camp issue. And the interesting thing is that a lot of South Africans get hugely excited when you start calling them refugee camps because that's what the British called them to start with. Yeah, but it was a crisis that was brought on by the British. Yeah. They destroyed the farms in order to stop the supply line to the Boer guerrilla fighters, but unknowingly and unthinkingly created a refugee crisis. Yeah. Because now the farms were gone, so now they, hadn't, they actually hadn't thought about what do we do with these people. <laughs> and then they suddenly yeah. went, oops, we need to create these camps for these people and look after them. Cause, and that's, yeah. that's how it started. So somewhere... The, con- the the refugee camp concept turned into the concentration camp problem. Yeah, <laughs> and there's there's no black and white. There's a big grey area there. Yeah, but everybody concentrates on the white, the Boers and the women and children. But yeah. probably, I've I've got a figure in my head that about eighteen thousand Boer women and children died. So the balance is is yeah. in the black concentration camps. Yeah. So that's just one of the little memorials in there, and. Again, there's a 1938 Great Trek Centenary Monument there in Brantford Stroke, Winnie Mandela. <laughs> there's a 1988 one as well. So again, it's a it's a bit of a, of a a strange one having both of them again. But there's a very interesting character that comes out of um, Brantford or Winnie Mandela, a guy with the name of John Weston. Okay. Now, Weston held the rank of admiral, of rear admiral. Okay. But he was South Africa's first aviator. Oh, wow. Okay. So somewhere <laughs> along this line, this Navy character becomes a pilot. <laughs> yeah. That, okay. Wow. Career change, eh? And again, one of these real Victorian characters, born 1872, somewhere around Frey 8, he traveled to Belgium. He worked in China, he could speak fluent Russian, but he actually constructed South Africa's first aeroplane. Oh, okay, well that's interesting. On that little farm there, 
in in Brantford. So somewhere along the line, he, he was he was an engineer. He worked as an engineer as well on several projects. But he's credited with building South Africa's first first aeroplane. Wow! And okay. an, an interesting, a little interesting footnote on this thing. And and as we go up the N1, and now we're getting up to Polokwane. There's for those of you who have travelled that road. There's a place up on the on the highway there called the Witkreis Monument, the White Cross Monument. Okay. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one. I've heard of it, yeah. And again, it's one of those heartbreaking monuments because the White Cross represents a farmer who's been killed somewhere in what we are terming farm attacks. Oh, yeah. Now, again, that's a political thing there. Some people are saying it's a deliberate... Um, policy to get rid of white farmers other people are saying it's just part of normal crime if you can get yeah. mean, if there's such a thing as normal crime no one believes that yeah but john weston was already killed in a farm attack in 1950 yeah so the farm attack thing is not a new thing yes. in south africa yeah so this this guy was killed in 1950 on what was then called um a farm attack yes Brantford again, beautiful, beautiful Cape Dutch or, or Dutch Reformed Church, <laughs> dating right back to 1875. And uh, interesting enough, designed by the Orange Free State's first architect, a guy by the name of Richard Richard Wok. Richard Wok. Okay. Again, those little <laughs> towns, those some of those 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 churches that you get and you that you that you can look at, are absolutely just mind-blowingly beautiful. But I thought I would just divert, diverge into into Brunford. It's not actually on the N1. Yeah. But yeah. it's worth that detour to get into that little town. And again, we can go on to our RSAPS disease. That sometimes, <laughs> as soon as possible, is not the way to go. Yeah. And an occasional little detour into some of these little towns can actually yeah. produce a Quite couple a couple of really, really worthwhile little stops. Yeah. But your next stop then or the next town that you that you shoot past is Winburg. Ah, now Winburg is one of those typical little towns that's been killed by the construction of the national highways because you used to go down the main street of all these little towns the old yes. what is now the old R101 yeah, will still take you through all these little dorpies and those towns used to rely on this through traffic holiday time was bonus time for these guys because people would stop in town yeah. fill up with fuel and buy some snacks and go to the local shop and do some shopping whatever and carry on and go and a large part of these little towns economies relied on that holiday traffic yeah but as soon as these these national routes were built and everybody thanks the road builders for building there because it makes the traveling a, a heck of a lot easier yeah but it killed these little towns yeah and Winburg is one of those perfect examples when you drive into that little town. It's old, it's dilapidated, the road is full of potholes. But one, it's one of those spots that's again, it's worth, it's worth stopping off at. Because as you get into the town from the southern side, you see this beautiful construction on the right-hand side. And it's the set of spires, towers. Oh, yeah. And it's the Winburg Fortricker Monument. <coughs> oh, Okay. And it's a little bit neglected at the moment, but whenever I see that monument, it reminds me a little bit of the Tal Monument in Paul. When you oh, see the yes, Tal yeah. Monument in Paul, it's on the mountain, you've got this beautiful spire tower going up, <coughs> flanked by one or two other towers, showing how Afrikaans' language has pulled the culture and, and sort of the Afrikaans' nation with it as a yeah. language. And the Fortrecker Monument in Winburg reminds me kind of of that one. 
because it's, it honors the great trick leaders. And the great trick, we can, we can sort of put 1835 to 1845. A lot of happened in between there, a little bit later, a little bit earlier. But that decade can be considered the decade of the great trick. Yeah. And um, it was a huge... It was a huge, huge migration of, of Dutch-speaking farmers from the Cape Colony into the interior. And Winberg was one of the bidders to have the official Footrecker monument built there. Okay. So several towns bid to have the official Footrecker monument there, but obviously Pretoria won it. Yeah. And the big Footrecker monument in Pretoria went up there in Winberg. <coughs> So they went, oh, well, we better do something, so we're going to put up our own Footrecker monument. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't get the we approval as the, official, as the official site for the Footrecker <laughs> monument, so they put this monument up there. Yeah. <laughs> but it's an interesting part, because it's the first, it's the first town established by the Footrekkers under General Potgieter. Okay. Andries Potgieter. So and they might, they can have one. <laughs> no, I think they're allowed to have one. It's a, it's a, actually, it's a beautiful monument. It really is worth yeah. stopping there and having a look at it. <coughs> and again, it was part of one of those original republics. And one day I actually need to count out how many of these little republics there were, because there was a, a little republic called Winburg Potchestrum. Okay. And eventually they decided they couldn't exist on their own. They became part of the Free State somewhere yeah. around the mid-1850s. Mid <coughs> and each tower there actually represents one of the Footrecker leaders. So it's very symbolically oh. built. It's a, it was yeah. a little bit um, dilapidated last time I went through there. Look, I haven't been through there for probably two years or so. I haven't managed to stop there. Yeah. But even even then, you know, you can see there's, a, there's a supposed to be a little fountain and stuff, and none that, that, that stuff wasn't working. There was a little bit of litter, and, you know, the weeds were growing. Yeah. So hope, hopefully someone's climbed in there and is starting to look after it because it's a really beautiful monument. But right next to it is a little Footricker Museum. Um, and as well, there's right next to it is the birthplace of Professor Stein, or, or President Stein, rather. Okay. President M.T. Stein, the guy yes. we've just spoken about south, yeah. south of Bloemfontein, he was born there and his little house is there. With old Reiter. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if Reiter was part of, part of his house there. Yeah, yeah. And then again, there's another concentration camp cemetery there in Winburg. So if you th think about it, you've got a concentration camp in Winburg, you've got a concentration camp in Brandfort, you've got a concentration camp in Bethuli, you've got a concentration camp in Springfontein. Yes, and all these the way concentration down. camps are all literally within two or three hundred kilometers of each other. Yeah, and that that gives you a kind of idea of the size and scale scale of of it. Yeah, of this whole concentration camp thing. Yes. Mm -mm. So, mm. yeah. So, Winburg, one of those one of those spots that is definitely worth having having a little stop at. And again, the Dutch Reformed Church in Winburg. It's one of those little. It's one of those churches that also, again, takes your breath away. It's just, just the size of this thing, and it's yeah. a slightly unusual one because it was, it was sort of built in the cathedral style rather than the church style. So it's more reminiscent of an actual cathedral. Oh, okay. And uh, just an interesting little one. Uh, a Presbyterian minister from the United States was the first preacher for this church, a guy by the name of Daniel Lindley. Okay. And just a, a funny one, his very, very first visit to the Winburg congregation, yeah. he baptized 331 children. 
Goodness gracious me! <laughs> so I'm not sure how he did that. You got this vision of the of the of the mothers holding the kids in a long line and him just walking across, pouring water on them or something. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> wow. 331 children in one go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in one go. Damn, he was busy the whole day. And the the other part about that one, that Winburg Church, it is the <laughs> oldest Dutch Reformed Church in the entirety of the Free State and in the Old Transvaal. Okay. So, from a historical point of view, it's a really quite an important, quite an important little spot. <coughs> now, I don't know if we want to do the music thing or just hit this one more little spot because there's one iconic spot as you now get out of Winburg. And you start hitting a little bit of a mountain pass down on the right-hand side of the Willem Pretorius Game Reserve. And you've got to seriously be prepared for it. I think there's only one sign that points to it. There might be, there might be one warning sign that points you to it, but it's a little monument to um, the Sand River Convention. Now, the Sand okay. River Convention is one of these little forgotten pieces of history but if you follow that sign, it's a little farm road and you go up this little hill and there's this little stone cairn with a little plaque or two on it. Oh, yeah. And that's where General Andres Pretorius. Now, remember, Pretorius is oh, the yes, guy yeah. from Blood River. Yeah. So, Pretorius, I've tried to track his movements across South Africa and I actually lost track of this guy. Okay. He was everywhere. <laughs> Man, this guy, this, this guy traveled if, if it was in modern days he would have used up 25 sets of tires just traveling the, the way he traveled on, his, on, on horseback he was everywhere this guy was absolutely everywhere i, w I wonder how many horses he used yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, this little spot marks the point where general pretorius met the british to sign the convention called the sand river convention in in 1852 and the sand river convention was the guarantee by britain given to the boer republics that they would stay independent ah oh, okay so it's a pivotal point of our history that this convention was signed 1852 and in fact it's commemorated as the last plaque in the fortrecker monument when you walk into the Foot Tracker Monument, you've got the entire story of the Foot Trackers in those beautiful marble freezers around that main hall. Yeah, yeah. And it goes right from where they leave the Cape, and the, you've got um, you know, the arrival in Lorenzo Marx, you've got the battles, you've got the Battle of Blood River, you've got the murder of Peter Tief, you've got all you know, the, the major events happening. Yes, yeah. And the very last freeze is the actual signing of the Sand River Convention. So that is considered almost the culmination of the Fortrecker story. Yeah. Because the Fortreckers left the British controlled areas. Cape. Yeah. In order Cape, to yeah. become independent. They couldn't handle the British interference in their affairs. The British weren't looking after them. There was this constant warfare on that eastern frontier and that eastern Cape frontier. Eventually that, that makes that, that makes them decide to move. And through all the battles, they've gone through Blood River, they've gone through countless other battles and years of traveling. They eventually set up their republics. 1852, the British guarantee their republic. 
Yeah. Say, fantastic. You can stay independent. Here we are going to sign it. We will not cross this river and go further north. Yeah. And that only lasted about 30 years. Yeah. Until the first Anglo-Boer War. Yes. So that was almost... Well, it's again, it's one, of, it's one of the iconic things of the distrust of the British because they, the British broke the Sand River Convention. Yeah. <laughs> at the outbreak of the first Anglo-Boer War. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> so okay. this, this iconic happening, this pivotal point in South African history yeah. is a tiny little side note on the side of the road on the N1. Yeah. And it's worth driving up there, stopping there, having a look at this and going, this event happened here. And it changed the course of South African history. Yes. <laughs> oh, my word. Okay, let's go listen to some music and we'll be back shortly. Okay, so from there, where are we going? So, yeah, so the next little town that you hit in a little spot called Fentersburg. And obviously named, named after the, the Fenter family who had the the biggest farm there. A lot of the history revolves around that Fenter family. Little little spot, you've got to drive through town, and I stumbled across this one by accident, because I, I tend to drive around these little towns and see what I can find and just have yeah. get an impression of it. And the one day I'm driving through this little town, and there on the copy I see this monument standing, and you go, okay, didn't know that this existed. <laughs> and it's a place called the Skanskral Monument. Skanskral. Skanskral. Now, skans, a skans, the Afrikaans word skans, actually means like a stone fortification. Like you build a skunce, which is like a little stone wall that you can hide behind to shoot over. Oh, okay. So on a lot of the old battlefields, I know, like on, in the Battle of Diamond Hill just outside Pretoria, a lot of the the, yeah. the Boer positions where the Boers prepared themselves with little baby skunces, and it's like a little wall two or three feet long and, and half a meter high. They okay. built a stone, so at least you, you protect it. So that's called yeah. a skunce. So this is a place called Skanskral. Okay. The Free States, are we talking now, now the 1840s, 1850s? And the Free State at that stage had basically just been semi settled by the foot trackers. And the Basutu, the Basutu nation under Mosheshwe, yeah. was also, that just established itself in what today is now called Lesotho. Okay. And the Basutus are an interesting bunch because it's a brand new nation. It was formed out of refugees created by King Shaka oh, yes, and his yeah. depredations across the whole of Southern Africa. And he created, Shaka created this massive refugee problem as well as he <laughs> yeah. was consolidating his power and sending his armies out to rape and pillage and bring cattle and, and all yeah. the rest of it. And he created a massive refugee issue. And a lot of those refugees actually came and found shelter in the mountains of what is now Lesotho. And the Zulus actually just found it too difficult to get these guys out of there. Yeah. Because you're hiding on top of a mountain, and here come the Zulu impis up, the, up a little mountain pass. You just roll rocks on them. Yeah. And uh, then it becomes not such a great plan to try and get these guys <laughs> off the mountain. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the Basutus are a relatively new, newly formed nation of all these different refugees. Yeah. And, and, and out of this mix pops um, King Mosheshwe. And Mosheshwe, great leader, great inspirational general, really, really good guy. 
he formed the the the, the, the nation. But they also made made their living by by cattle raiding and stuff. Oh yeah. And one one of the things I love about the Lesotho sort of icons and about a couple of the, a little bit of their symbolism is the Zulus called the the Basutus the swallows the swallow people oh, as okay. a reference to the swallows that made their nests on cliffs. Yeah, the Basutus yeah. made their houses on cliffs. Yes. So, so some of the symbolism of the of the Basutus is that swallow. But Mosheshwe was also known as the crocodile. <laughs> and if you look at some of the the the, the, the Lesotho banknotes, they've got a crocodile on there. Oh yeah. And if you think about it, when you see a crocodile lurking in the river, you only see its eyes just above the waterline. Yes. And that's a reference to the Basutus peering over the rocks with just their eyes showing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the Basutus had to make a living. It's a it's a Lesotho is a really lousy farmland. So they had to make a lot of their living by raiding this, the the neighboring people. Black, white, doesn't matter. Yeah. For cattle and for crops and stuff like that. So Basutu raids were a constant threat. And strange enough, the Fenter family actually nursed one of King Osheshwe's sons to health oh, yeah. after, after, after an accident. And... President Brunt at some stage issued a warning that the Basutus were going to attack. There was imminent danger of a Basutu raid. So the Basutus were coming, but then Mosheshwe's son is a Basutu, helps the Fenters build a little fort to protect them against the Basutus. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. that was the origins of the Skanskral um, fortification. Because then you walk in there, it's actually a little walled fort. Yeah. And there's this little monument um, on, on the side there. And it's a, it's a, that's an interesting little spot to walk through and try and put yourself back in those times. It's out in the open. Yeah. And here you are with, I don't know how many people and some of your cattle and horses and stuff in this little stone fort. A couple of little loopholes in there to try and shoot through. Yeah. And yeah, just takes you, <laughs> takes you to a different era. Yeah. But the interesting, one very interesting little spot in Fentersburg has got an old, it's got a very, very cool little police museum. Oh, Okay. In the old jail, the old jail that served as a jail and as a, and as a police station. And it's the history of the colonial and union police forces. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Out of the blue, it's one of those little, little weird, weird little spots that you don't expect in one of these little, in one of these little towns. Yes. And um, one, of, one of the interesting parts of that, and I, I don't know how, how, how valid it is, but the, the Afrikaner rebel, Yopi Furi, was uh, who, who later got executed? Oh yeah. The, the 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 door that was on his cell is actually on display in this police museum. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> one of one of my little shopping spots. There is a is a guy just off the highway, one of these little sidewalk um, crafters. Oh yes. He makes the most magic little working windmills. Oh, he collects yeah, old yeah, tin yeah. cans and stuff, and he's got windmills, small ones, big ones, round ones, silver ones, red ones, purple ones, and there's a whole collection. He must have like 150 windmills on the side of the road, all whirring away in the wind, little working yeah. windmills. And yes. he's, he's, he, he, he makes his living there on the, on the back end of Fentersburg. Um, yeah, my, my uncle calls him the Yebo Gogo. <laughs> you remember that uh, there yes. was an advert on TV? Oh, uh, yes, with yes, these windmills? yes, yes, the little windmills, yeah. Yebogogo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and look at well, those windmills. The windmills, or okay, the, uh, the name windmill is actually incorrect. As was pointed out to me by one of my one of my buddies. Yeah. 
Because a mill is something that grinds stuff. Yes, yeah. Okay. So the Dutch have got windmills because those were used to grind corn and make flour and stuff like that. We have a windmill in Cape Town. Mostert's mill is a windmill. What you see in the Karoo and on the farms should actually be called a wind pump. Wind, yes. It's a wind pump. There's neither a wind meal, neither a wind pump. The English have got it wrong and we call it a windmill, which is incorrect. It should be a wind pump. Wind pump, yeah. But it doesn't, that's, I don't know, it just doesn't sound quite as cool as windmill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in Afrikaans, it sounds cool. No, Vindpomp. No, absolutely, it's a Vindpomp. There's one of Steve Hoffman's children's name is Vindpomp. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But that, the, those wind, the wind pump to me is one of those iconic South African road trip things. Whenever you drive through the Karoo, any farmland, there's always in the distance, there's a little squeaky wind pump whirring yeah. away and filling up this little farm dam somewhere, the sheep or the cattle coming to drink. Yeah. And... It was, a, it was a close run thing, or the wind pump almost became the logo <laughs> for, for, for the road trip app. <laughs> but your next major town there is Kroenstadt. And Kroenstadt, Kroen, Kroen it translates into crown. Yeah. So crown, crown city or crown town. Yeah. But an awful lot of the history of Kroenstadt revolves around... Um, Sarosel here. Oh, yeah. Now we've met Sarosel here before. I don't know if you remember where Sarosel here yeah. popped out into the history. But <laughs> Sarosel here was the how how would we put him? The pastor minister at the Battle of Blood River. Oh yes, yeah. And he actually let's okay, it's called him religious leader. Yeah. He was the religious leader of the foot trekkers. At the Battle of Blood River. He was actually there at the battle. But he was the guy who actually delivered the covenant. Yes. Remember the covenant? Yeah. They wrote the covenant promising that should the foot trekkers win that day of battle against the Zulus, they would take it as a sign from God that yes. he was on their side against the forces of darkness and evil and the whole the whole Truth, thing. Yeah. And it was then their right of existence in South Africa. That was the covenant. Yeah. And they actually swore on this covenant, I think seven days or something in a row, right yes. up until the night of that Battle of Blood River. Yeah. And Sara Solier was the guy behind this one. So he, they, they consider him as a bit of a bit of a mystic kind of character as well. Okay. So a lot of the history revolves around Kronstadt and revolves around Sara Solier rather. And they think that the name Kroenstadt is actually named after his horse. His horse was called Kroen. Oh, okay. And because he settled there, his horse died there, they think that's where the name Kroenstadt actually came from. So it's got nothing to do with, with, with royalty or the Queen of England or yeah. Crown or something like that. Yes. The town's named after Cyrus the horse. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> hey, shame of Kroen. <laughs> As you come into the town from the southern side, the first thing that you that you come across is um, it's called the Sarosalia Bridge. 1941, it was built, huge steel suspension bridge, and um, tonight it's 96 meters of of suspension bridge across this river. So it's a very very impressive bridge, but it's called the Wagon Wheel Bridge because okay. it, lo- it looks yeah. a little bit like like ox wagons. The construction of the bridge yeah. remi- reminds you of 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 ox wagons. Yeah. 
Yet again, you've got the most beautiful Dutch Reformed Church in town. So again, one of the older congregations in the Free State. But in front of that church is again one of my almost favorite foot trekker statues. Okay. And it's a statue of Sardosil here. Yeah. And when you first look at it, you go, wow, that's kind of overdramatic. <laughs> because Sardosil is standing there and he's... He's got this almost like like he's starting a running race. If you can imagine a sprinter starting, yeah, and he's holding something up in the air in the one in his one hand, oh, and he's yeah. staring at this thing almost in like a, it almost looks like he's in kind of rapture, yeah. You know, so you look at the statue, and go, wow, that's kind of dramatic. You know, <laughs> who's who's this character? What 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 is he going on about? Yeah, the sculptor is Kurt Steinberg. Now Kurt Steinberg. Again, is one of those guys, when you stand in front of one of his works, you know you're looking at something special. He's one of those amazing, amazing sculptors. You look at that statue and it evokes in you this, wow, this guy's passionate, yeah. look at him. And that was Sardar Salia doing the covenant. Yeah. That absolute fervor and passion and... Whatever other word you can think of is brought out in that statue of Sardis Lier there in front of that church in Kronstadt. Yeah. So, again, you've got to just stop and have a look at it. And as dramatic as that statue is, you've got to just appreciate what it actually stands for yeah. and why that thing is so important there and that whole history of the town um, around Sardis Lier. Yes. Again, we hit another concentration camp in Kronstadt. Goodness So this is, I think, the fourth one. one that we're mentioning just in this one podcast already, <laughs> yeah. or the fifth one that the we're mentioning. Level, yeah. There's another concentration camp there. And it holds the distinction of being the camp with, I think, almost the highest mortality rate in Kronstadt. Oh. So okay. I'm not sure that that's a great record to hold. <clears throat> yeah. There's another one, quite an interesting one in Kronstadt, which is the, the War Memorial. And we've spoken about a couple of these War Memorials before. And there's always been the focus on these War Memorials of World War I and World War II. Yeah. And South Africans, and I think, I think it was Patton, I think it was Patton, who sort of said, you know, give, give me one, give, 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 me a, give me an army of... X and I'll, I'll beat up these guys. Give me a division of these guys. And I'll be, give me one company of those marvelous fighting Boers, yeah. and I will <laughs> breach the gates of Berlin. <laughs> okay, I paraphrase that, and the historians might want to clap me on a couple of the details. Yeah. But the South Africans have got this amazing reputation as soldiers yeah. and as fighting as as fighting soldiers. Yeah, and our focus has always been World War One, World War Two. Yes, but we tend to forget a couple of the other conflicts in which South Africans were heavily involved, and one of them was Korea. Yes, we played a significant role in the Korean War, and this is one of the few memorials in South Africa that actually commemorates the Korean War as well. Okay, and the other part of this one. 
is that it's also got a memorial to what we call the border war. The border war. The border war. Our conflict okay. in Southwest Africa slash Angola. Yes, yeah. And again, that one's become one of those conflicts that is quietly being shoved aside <laughs> and quietened because it's a political thing and it's South Africans fighting against the liberation forces in Angola, etc., etc. Yeah. And you don't see a lot of the commemorations for the Angola border war. Yeah. But Kronstadt on, the, on that war memorial has actually got one of the few in South Africa for the border war. Yeah. And, I mean, I was part of the border war. I was up there, and so were a lot of yeah. people of my generation. And it's nice to see that somewhere along the line it actually is still commemorated. Yes. There's obviously another Anglo-Boer War Memorial um, for, the, for the British soldiers who fell. Okay. And I've, I've spoken to about this one as well, and, it's, and, and this one's a little bit out of country, because mostly oh. when you go through <laughs> Natal and the Cape, yeah. you see the British memorials for the Anglo-Boer War, and as soon as you get into the Free State and the Transvaal, or the old Free State and Transvaal, you see the, the Boer statues to the Anglo-Boer War. Yeah, yeah. So this is a British one in the middle of the Free State. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it, it almost feels a little bit out of place. Odd one out. It's kind of the odd one out. <laughs> but uh, you know, but why why it's there? And the interesting little 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 interesting piece of history is that Kronstadt actually became the capital of the Free State. Oh! After Bloemfontein fell into the hands of the British in uh, March of 1900. Oh, so okay. Stein actually moved his capital into Kronstadt for the for the time being. Yeah. And then obviously Kronstadt eventually fell. So Kronstadt was for a period a very very large focus of the British attacks. To try and get the government out of Kronstadt. Yeah. Wow, interesting. And then one little last interesting, actually two. There's there's a there's a particular there's a Jewish memorial in Kronstadt as well, which was um, unveiled by the South African Jewish Board of Deputies in 2013, and it commemorates the contribution that the Jewish community made to the city of Kronstadt, and the stones and there's a whole memorial to this, and a couple of the stones come from the old synagogue that was in town. And somewhere along the line, it's tied up to the West Park Cemetery here in Johannesburg. So I think the Jewish, oh, okay. com- West the Park. Jewish community from that helps the Jewish memorials in West Park Cemetery funded this one down in Kronstadt as well. And then there's oh. another forgotten, forgotten character of the South African history stroke politics buried in Kronstadt. And I don't know if you ever remember the Tok-Toki campaign. Campaign. The Tuk-Tuki campaign was a big cancer campaign, um, and it was made to create awareness for um, cancer treatments. We're now going yeah. back a long time. Yeah. But a guy with the name of Alwain Schlebusch okay. is buried in in Kronstadt as well, and it's a combined grave. It's, it's him and his wife Isabel. Yeah. And he was the only vice state president of South Africa. We had a vice state president for a while. Okay, and it was him. <laughs> and that's, this happened to be this guy. <laughs> okay. And he was appointed by the National Party government of President P.W. Boerter. Yeah. 
And we we went from we went from state presidents and prime ministers, and we abolished the one office. You know, so it was a little. But he was the only ever guy to hold the, the point the, the the appointment of vice president or vice yeah. state president. So he chaired the president's council, and the president's council was established when the Senate. We used to have a Senate, much like the America had a Senate. Okay. We used to have a Senate, but the Senate was discontinued as well. And that happened around 1984. So okay. he played a long he had, he had a long history in politics. He he was mayor of a little town called Henenman. He served as a speaker in parliament for a while as well. Okay. But his most probably his most notorious memory is he chaired the Slebush Commission, which investigated the anti-apartheid organisations of the day. Oh. Okay. So pre ninety four, we now talking nineteen eighties. This is the yeah. height of the anti apartheid <laughs> movements. I remember things like the UDF and the defiance yeah. campaign and all of those movements that that, that 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 came up and disappeared and all the rest of it. Yeah. And his duty was to actually investigate all of them. Ah. And one of the findings of this commission was that they gave the government the right to seize any documents and assets of that organization. Okay. So he was yeah. notorious for declaring these organizations an illegal organization and thereby giving the state the right, because that was the law at the time, yes. the right to seize all the assets and paperwork, etc., etc., and investigate them and uh, huh. obviously arrest, arrest the people. Okay. So he also served, I mean, he served as the Minister of Public Works, he served as the Minister of Immigration, he served as the Minister of Justice, he served as the Minister of Internal Affairs. So, again, a very interesting character. Very busy. Very busy guy. And uh, for a time he was even Chancellor of the University of Pretoria, and his wife actually did this talk talkie campaign of okay. this one. And he eventually died, he died in um, 2008 in Pretoria, but he's, he's also buried in Kronstadt. Yeah. But again, he's one of these characters that, 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 that's largely forgotten, but such an interesting guy and yes. such an interesting history and obviously a long history <coughs> of service to his country. Yeah, yeah. Now, you see, that was quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, I've, I can't remember. Okay, but I was very young that stage. But yeah, any case... Awesome, that was the road trip show for today, and uh, we'll see you back here next week on Radio Eco Health. Thanks, Dietrich. Absolutely, we're sort of now hitting the end of the the the, the Farfalata Fluctus, and uh, our next our next hit is actually Johannesburg. We're coming up now, up the N1, and now we're sort of coming through past Parais Vanabel Park, the Vidwatersrand in the in 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 the windscreen. In the so okay. I think we might just have to bypass Johannesburg. <laughs> Johannesburg has again got so much. Johannesburg and Pretoria, yeah. we leave those, and then maybe we just hit up there, and we start talking again when we hit um, sort of Bella Bella Modimoli yeah. areas, and we hit up to Bite Bridge, and we leave the leave the main cities for their own podcasts. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> okay, well, enjoy, people. Have a great day, and uh, see you next week. <laughs>